episode note. Due to operator error, aka me, I'm a puppeteer, not an audio engineer, the audio during parts of this episode, particularly my parts, are not of the same quality as you have come to expect from this Obie Award-winning podcast. Can you even win an Obie for a podcast? Well, not with that attitude, you can't. Please enjoy our episode with Takemi Kitamura. Hey, Sarah. Yes, Josh? Are you ready? I think so. Great. But before we start, we here at the Puppet Pod, along with Dixon Place, stand with love in solidarity with Black, Indigenous, and persons of color in our communities and across the country against racism, white supremacy, and police brutality. And for more information and specifics on our respective anti-racism statements and plans of action, please visit DixonPlace.org and ShakeOnTheLake.org to find out how we're listening, learning, and working within our communities. Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Hi, my name is Takemi Kitamura, and I think puppetry is the bridge between reality and the dream. Puppetry is hard because you are making something else. It's not yourself like yourself. Hello and welcome, puppet friends, to another episode of the podcast in which we talk all things puppetry, the Puppet Pod. I am your host, Josh Rice, and with me again, as always, in this audio adventure is Miss Sarah Stabley. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great. You know, for end of, well, no, it's the beginning of the week, so <laughs> a 90 degree week. Can't wait for it. How are you, Josh? I'm good. Summer's here. I am a, a, a child of the summer and the sun, and uh, I, I quite enjoy the 90 degrees and the sweating. That's kind of my life, my my love. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's a good thing we're by a lake right now. Indeed, yeah. Putting my body in Silver Lake, our little local swimming hole, has been a joy and a relief uh, in this hot weather, so that's been really enjoyable. Uh, and you have been in your pond as well. I have. I've been swimming all weekend. And you can tell because I'm so sunburnt. <laughs> Our listeners can't see it. But let me tell you, I'm burnt. Sarah's feeling great. Feeling toasty. Yeah. And Sarah, I know um, this is a puppetry podcast, but we often talk about animals and the various animals in our lives, whether it's the snake that is inside the theater that is still living in here that we have not found yet, or the uh, local animals around my house. But I'm excited to say that uh, we've taken on two dogs for a little while that we've been fostering at our house, two 10-year-old lab mixes. And that has been such a delight in this kind of strange quarantine life. Yeah. So you're just sort of fostering them? Is that the case? Just sort of, yeah. We are, we're watching them for a little while for some friends while they uh, are making a move to New York City. And in the interim, while they're kind of getting settled in, we are keeping the dogs here. And boy, do they love the baby rabbits in our yard. Oh, my God. Like, love them or eat them? Yeah, they, they turn into wolves and want to tear them apart. No. So we have to work really hard to keep them away from the baby rabbits. 
Oh, poor baby rabbits. Poor dogs. I know. They're, they're just... I know, I know. They have to live with Josh Rice? I don't know. Well, that, that part's, I don't think, as bad as me, like, deterring their animal instincts. We went out one morning, and one of the dogs, Abby, stuck her nose into our rock wall and then pulled a snake out with its teeth and swung the snake around by its muzzle and then threw it on the ground. Thankfully, the snake slithered away, but yeah, it was very intense. Yeah, that snake at the theater is never going to come out now, knowing that you had like two snake-killing dogs. Yeah, apparently. Wolves, man. Did we decide on a name for our snake? Is it Snakespear or Waldo? Uh, I, I think I like Waldo better myself, but... You don't like Snakespear? It's pretty good. I, it's, you know, we'll let, we'll let the people vote. It's true. That's true. We can do that. We'll let the listeners vote. Snakespear or Waldo. How about that? On a snake that is not ours. On a snake that doesn't really exist. Maybe it might be in the theater or might not be. I don't know. Anyway, uh, enough about snakes and dogs and animals. This is a very serious podcast about puppetry. And we have an incredibly talented puppeteer with us today and someone I'm also lucky enough to call a friend as well, Ms. Takemi Kitsamura. Ohayou gozaimasu! Ohayou gozaimasu, Josh, Sarah. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, Takemi, <laughs> it's such a thrill to see you. Uh, yeah. You were supposed to be here this summer and unfortunately with the way the world is in this current moment, uh, We've had to distance, so we couldn't bring you up for our performance of Shanksmere. So we're bummed about that, but we're happy to talk to you yeah. this way anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes, same here. Yes. Nice to talk to you anyway. Indeed. So what have you been doing to kind of pass the time these last few months? Oh my God, nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. Literally, I stayed home. I went to the grocery shop, the same supermarket every time, and then do the laundry. And the Prospect Park, that's it. Like That's it. That's it. <laughs> I, I can't believe how I was living, you know, past almost four months. Yeah. I I just can't believe it. Yeah, it's a wild time. It's a wild time. Yeah, literally, there's only these four places I've I've been, (laughs) you know. Oh, no, I lied. I went to the uh, beach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went to the beach. But uh, other than that, nothing exciting. Oh, that's cool. I wish I could. Yeah, weird thing is like, but even though I feel like I'm not doing anything, but every day kind of goes so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But I'm curious, I know that you, um, you practice uh, Reiki, and is that something that you've been doing or able to still practice during the quarantine? Yeah, because I can do distance, and I realize this is great time to do the distance. You know, that's so great. You stay home, and it, you know, you can receive Reiki home too. So, why not? Yeah. So, for listeners who don't know what Reiki is, can you explain it? Sure. Reiki is the energy healing modality. So, uh, we use Reiki, which means the universal life force energy. So I'm, I will be like conductor between a person and the universe. 
and I get the energy through me into that person. And then wherever the body and mind needs to be healed, the energy just go there and then just walk there. And then basically like if you have a energy blocks or have stagnant energy that releases, the Reiki releases or the universal life force energy, or sometimes, you know, people say ki or chi or prana. Okay, yeah. Yeah, or some some people even say um, universal love or consciousness, whatever the big force, the outside of us that creates us. Mm -hmm. So we channel that energy. So yeah, and basically to help the person to get back their own ability to heal. Gotcha. Yeah, it's not even like a, not even just a physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So, yeah, there's yeah. a there's definitely a need for that right now. That's yeah. so certain. Talk to me after the podcast. <laughs> I absolutely will. Yes, definitely. <laughs> absolutely. That's so lovely. Takemi, how long have you been practicing Reiki? Reiki is just um, about three years now. But I, I was doing an, another type of the healing modality, but I didn't have a name. I was just learning it, but didn't have any certification and names. And I just thought people can, you know, identify it. If I, because Reiki is so popular now. So, of course, if you Google it, you can see a bunch of the stuff. And then I was like, why? Oh, I, I just take a Reiki certification and people, it's easier for people to see what I'm doing. Mm. Right. Yeah. They, they can believe it a little bit better yeah, yeah, when there's yeah, a yeah. label and a yeah. name. So I'm like, right? I'm yeah. going to do energy healing. What is that? And I cannot really explain, <laughs> yeah. you mm. know, but Reiki, if you search, you can, there's a whole lot of explanation for it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm curious if there is any connection between Reiki and puppetry for you, because you have been a puppeteer for many, many years in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if you see connections between Reiki and puppetry. That's a very interesting question, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Takemi. I to do my best. <laughs> uh, because you said that if I can think any connection is like throughout my I guess life I've been interested in the channeling energy mm-hmm. so it goes throughout my performing career like a, even like dance or puppetry whatever I do I feel like I am more interested in channeling something rather than I uh, output my own you know energy or like my identity or personality through through the arts form I feel like I want to channel something else you know bigger than me through me and then to the audience so in yeah probably that's the kind of bridge between reality and dream yeah well, I love that you describe uh, puppetry like that, that bridge connecting these two worlds of like, well, we consciously are aware of, and then these bigger subconscious right. ideas that are also around all of the time. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah, could you talk maybe a little bit more about that 
bridge idea because I it resonates with me very strongly as a, as a puppeteer as well. And I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe you could describe a little bit more about that feeling for you or that connection between those two worlds. Right. Like, as I said, like, uh, it's not really in puppetry particular, like not, not the puppetry particularly, but uh, strongly in puppetry, that's more, I think, uh, uh, how do you say, visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you are in a tradition, like you are not supposed to be visible right. as a puppeteer. So you will be the conductor of the whatever the spirit you are trying to make it in, on the stage into the object you are manipulating with. Yeah. I like the idea of being a conductor. I love that terminology. That's yeah. Great. So it's actually not, it feels like to me, it's not actually me doing the puppet, you know, because I'm trying to be something else and I'm just moving the puppet around. So, yeah. yeah. It's very spiritual the way that you are describing it, which is how I think I connect to puppetry as well, that there Uh is something else you're tapping into in order to kind of put life into these objects. Right, right. And then like in tradition, like a, if you know Koryu Sensei, Japanese puppet master, always told us like you know the puppetry in the beginning in Japan was a, like a, for the god. You know, it's it wasn't for the people; it was the, for the dance or dance for the god or something. So it was yeah. started in that way. So I think it still has some sort of the same kind of feeling in the puppet when I do the puppetry, like feel like it's something else, you know? Yeah, it's interesting how uh, performative puppetry comes from this tradition of religious rites and religious ceremonies and celebrating and blessings of temples or uh, the harvest season or whatever it might be. And even seeing uh, Sensei do the traditional Sanbaso dance, mm-hmm. you know, which kind of blesses the space, yeah. uh, gets all the bad energy out of the space before yeah. the performance starts, yeah. welcomes good energy. Uh, they plant the seeds for something beautiful to grow yeah. on stage yeah. uh, and to know where that comes from in actually blessing the farmers in their fields and the opening of a temple is really incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, when you were growing up in Japan, Takemi, did, were you doing puppetry then? Mm-mm. No, no. I, <laughs> I, I haven't seen the puppetry even. Because like, I grew up in Osaka, where the Bumrakuza mm-hmm. is. Yeah. But still, I never saw Bumrakuza. I knew nothing about it. Like, it's not really in our daily life. It's still very traditional in Japan and and because of that it maybe doesn't get as much exposure right and the plus it's expensive and you know it's very it's only for the certain people like who really loves like I don't even I didn't even get the information about you know what I mean I didn't even right know much right yeah is it something that you would maybe equate to the opera in some ways you know how the opera in the United States can tend to be a little bit elevated yeah, yeah. And how to access. You need a knowledge yeah. and you need a blah, 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 you know. Yeah. So 
You grew up in Osaka, which is the home to the Bunraku National Theater, mm-hmm. not really aware of puppetry,、um, mm-hmm. but were you doing theater and performance when you were in Japan? I was dancing a little bit, yeah. Yeah, maybe like three years. I came to the United States after I graduated high school. So I had a little bit of experience in Japan, but most of my experience is from here. Yeah. So one of the things I always love to ask people about then is their puppet origin story or how they got started、uh, working in puppetry. And of course, having a dance background is helpful because dancers are so. Aware of their bodies and how to、mm-hmm. make precise、uh, choreographic movements with the least amount of effort, which I think a lot of puppetry is about that too.、Mm-hmm. So I'm curious、um, where and how you started working in puppetries. Okay, I started,、uh, Tom Lee just asked me to do it. It was kind of small part, but、uh, small enough that I, I could do, you know, the non puppeteer could do. Basically, but I th- that time I didn't think like I could do it because I never done the puppetry. But Tom was like, you know, Tom, Tom is like, oh, you can do it, Takemisa. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> That's actually that. Then after that, just like,、uh, you know, the friend's friend. Oh, yeah. So you started as a dancer. You knew Tom through La Mama. Is that how you all、uh, were able to、uh, get connected? No, I knew friends around Tom. And then I kind of knew Tom a little bit. Yeah. Was the, the show you're talking about Koalao? Koalao, yeah. Koalao. Oh, then, that's so, great. Yeah. So that was great. I did the La Mama show. And then, then we went to the Hawaii tour. So I was like, hee hee hee. <laughs> That's so nice. I know, right? That's a pretty good first puppet gig that takes you on a tour to Hawaii. Yeah,、wow. that's why I couldn't stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but that was great. That was great. Yeah. And how, how long ago was that? Ooh, how long ago? Do you know, Josh? It's, like, Ooh. it's almost well, 10 years ago, no?、Oh, yeah. I think so, maybe 2010. Something like that. Yeah. That's awesome. And then you were able to work with Lake. And then were you also in one of Dan's first shows as well? No, I did the dance、uh, the first time for the demolition. The demolition, yeah. And I got into the Phantom Limbs. And I got little small gigs for you know, other puppet companies too. Yeah, and the yeah. Phantom Limb show was the one where you're performing on stilts that Rowan was also in, right? Yeah, first one was down the stilts. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. What was, what was it like for you to perform that high off the ground? Well, high off the ground was、uh, scary, but you, you kind of get used to it. But just the physicality of it, like the stilts, it wasn't regular stilts, it was for the construction. Constructors. Oh, yeah. So you, yeah, you'll be able to be stay and still, you know, and that, that was, these stilts were so heavy. It, it's almost like I feel like it, half of my weight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so being in the, on the stage for 45 minutes on the stage was like, wow. You know,、yeah. just so, yeah, it was so tough. That's a lot of endurance, but I'm sure you grew like different 
puppet muscles wearing those kinds of stilts, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so, yeah, that's so physically demanding. Yeah, oh it was gosh. pretty demanding. And then plus, I was the, uh, I was the really early member of the project. Mm-hmm. So the rehearsing, the rehearsal process was long for me, and it, we also toured a lot. I was doing like a long time on the stilts for a long, long time. Yeah. Wow. Well, you've been working with Phantom Limb now for also quite a number of years, and that series of plays were kind of centered around environmental issues. Mm-hmm. And the latest one that you were able to work on was one that took you back to Japan. Is that right? right. In Fukushima? Right. Yeah, that was about Fukushima. We haven't been able to figure out the way to do the piece in Japan. But uh, yeah. Uh, well, let's take a quick break and then we'll talk a little bit more about this incredible uh, work with Phantom Limb and this incredible puppeteer, Takemi Kitamura, when we come back. Let's face it, puppetry is hard. It's even harder during a pandemic. The form is predicated upon people being in very close proximity to one another to puppeteer something and having an audience to see it. But the field persists, adapts, and pivots. And the New York State Puppet Festival and Shake on the Lake are doing just that in presenting their brand new online puppetry series, NYSPF At Home. This series of brand new short puppetry works made for an online, on-screen audience features some of our favorite artists, many of whom have been and will be featured on the Puppet Pod, including Andy Manjuk and Dorothy James with Bill's 44th, a Zoom birthday, Just Another Lynching, an American horror story by the artist Jigeto, Out of Office by Emma Wiseman and Emily Zemba, and a brand new multimedia puppetry piece from Tom Lee. NYSPF at Home brings puppet artists from their respective quarantines to you in your home starting in October and running through January. For more information and virtual tickets, please visit www.NewYorkStatePuppetFestival.org. That's www.NewYorkStatePuppetFestival.org. Puppetry is hard. But watching it in your home is easy with NYSPF at Home. We are back with more Takemi Kitamura. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more uh, about the project that you're working on in, in Fukushima and kind of what that process was. You said you were interviewing some of the people that were in and around the disaster when it had happened. And you said that you were trying to figure out what the project would be as you were there kind of doing that research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went to the northern part of the Japan to see all the places that was hit by tsunami, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, after the, you know, 311. Uh, earthquake that was huge it was on, not only the earthquake but also tsunami happened and then make it whole disaster and then of course the meltdown in Fukushima yeah. was another right. issue on top of that so yeah we interviewed with the people who uh, got tsunami and then people who lost all the loved ones from families and loved ones from tsunami 
And then we went to the area that was very close to Fukushima and the interview there, how people change and what people think. And then, yeah, that was quite trip for me. Even like I'm Japanese, I yeah. have to see it with my own eyes. I was very aware of the problem and I always care about that, but it's really different when you see those people and then see those places literally like nothing like the old tsunami wiped out huge area and then you see now like now they start building up you know stuff back but when I got there some places are still like a flat and I saw the places with tons of black bags with the contaminated soil mm. and I we just drove through the area and it's very wide open. Like there was a fence around them, but it's just basically it's very wide open. And I saw that all the backs were almost broken. It's like, you know, the soil is coming out basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. But anyway, like the whole thing, like uh, that was really um, quite experience for me. Yeah. And then, yeah, when we make the piece, like we were trying to just present the feeling and the words and the story those people experienced, not trying to put the good or bad, like criticism or like a judgment, whatever. They were, we were trying to be, you know, just present as they were. But yeah, I don't know how people got the message from the piece, but... Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, that was challenging, I think. Yeah, it sounds really challenging and, and, and really difficult to process and see a lot of what you had seen or yeah. heard from people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious if you think puppetry as an art form is good at telling these kinds of difficult stories, because this certainly is hard subject matter with the, the disaster that happened in Japan at that time, mm -hmm. certainly, and the loss of life. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I think Phantom Limb, and correct me if I'm wrong, they're trying to talk about these larger issues of the environment mm -hmm. with the piece. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious for you as, as an artist and, and performer, if you think puppetry is an art form that's better suited to tackle some of the subject matter than maybe actors doing it? Well, for the puppetry part because we were using for that piece two life-size puppets like a male figure and a female figure and they are not the all the limbs and the head are not connected so mm -hmm. puppeteer was making them looks like connected manipulated like or like they literally like all the parts breaks you know into the pieces which is kind of sad metaphor for that disaster but you know, we can we could create that effect too. But then I think what was the most interesting is I think I believe was like because the puppetry was made so blank, there wasn't the, it was only the shape. They didn't paint the eyes or like you know it was just the outer shape with with like a paper. Mm -hmm. We didn't put the, any dresses anything like it was very very raw and in that way I think people can 
relate to the puppet to anybody. Yeah. Like uh, yourself or the loved one you lost or the person you think, like whatever. Or like you can treat as a symbol, as a collective human being. Mm -hmm. So I think in a way that that's a, that's a little, little bit hard for the actual human being to do if because it's just we cannot deny ourselves how we look, how I look is totally Takemi short Japanese female. You know what I mean? Like we cannot go past that image. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about the simplicity of a puppet that doesn't have figure, right. figurative um, features right. that I think does allow what you're saying, the audience to put onto it their own thoughts, their own feelings, what they feel like the puppet is experiencing or emoting even. And you're behind it, just kind of making it, make the gestures or the choreography to to create those feelings in the audience or to tell that story or those images or whatever it might be. And you're right, I guess, if it was an actor, maybe it'd be a little too literal or yeah. they would just see that person's experience as opposed to something much larger and bigger. See, no way limited, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then I, I'm curious to ask a little bit more then about another part of your background that I know that you have, uh, which is in martial arts, that you are part <laughs> of a, a theater uh, and sword collective for a while and I was curious if maybe you could talk a little bit about how you got into that and any interest that you had prior in martial arts or was this something very new once you started doing it? Yeah in, in fact it, I wasn't doing the martial arts I yeah. was doing a, a Japanese sword fighting which mm -hmm. is all choreographed for the stage in the film Oh, okay. Yes. Thank so, you for that correction. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't martial arts then, but yeah. Uh, but the, of course, the technique, basic techniques come from the martial arts. Yeah. But yeah, to be just precise, I'm not the martial artist. I'm just a performer. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank yeah, you for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> and then, yeah, how I got into it uh, was... Uh, the teacher was actually my friend and I knew him for a long time and they, I knew him teaching and he sometimes asked me to join but I was like ah no <laughs> <laughs> one time I was I was going to make a my solo piece dance piece and I was I wanted to use the Japanese unknown sunrise poem mm. and I really loved the home but then I had no idea how to make the piece and I'm like okay if I just go like a soul fighting and just do the, this fighting movement or whatever like I'm it might become something might come up and then you know just for the curiosity I just went there and then well it helped me and I, I made a piece and I really loved that one but uh and it was just fun and I just kept doing it and it just I got involved in the company and I performed I was there for about eight years what was the kind of work that you all would do yeah fighting so fighting 
So Takemi, I wonder if maybe you could describe a little bit of what we would see in, in a piece that involves kind of some of this dance based on the samurai creed that you were talking about, and then uh, some of the staged sword fighting that, that you were working on. For my solo? Yeah, yeah. For people that are listening to this, if they were to see one of the shows that your company did and the name of it was Samurai Sword Soul. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Samurai Sword Soul. Um, yeah. What people might see on stage if they were to see a fight or a, or a performance? Yeah, um, they usually make a, like a choreographed fight piece. Sometimes one on one. Sometimes one against many. Sometimes against like many, too many. Like you know, the uh, sword technique, like you see in the samurai film. Mm-hmm. you know like actual fighting but because it's a uh, choreographed and stage fighting it's more like a stylized style exactly stylized ways to you know like entertain people or sometimes we made a theater piece with actual stories and then you know characters and then the in the piece, like a fighting was involved, like a UC samurai movie, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so there would be some text and, and some scene work. Lies and yeah, scene. And then a fight. Yeah, and the fight, yeah. Gotcha. And then we also performed a lot for the like festivals, Cherry Blossom Festival all over the. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not only New York, but DC and the other states around the New York. That's cool and fun. Yeah. Well, I, I will say you were able to do a little bit of this in the show Shanksmere that you and I have been working on forever, it seems. Um, it's so rare that a, a puppet show has a long of a life as Shanksmere has and, and <laughs> continues to still tour yeah. uh, like it does. But Tom uh, and Koryu-san asked you to be actively involved in the the show as yourself as a sword fighter with this puppet character that Koryu-san is operating all by himself on his carts in the Kuramaningyo style and I was I'm curious for you when they first proposed the idea what did you think about these blending of styles because again it's very realistic with this more figurative puppet style that's a you know not a person, obviously. So what what was it like for you when they first said, hey, Takemi, I want you to fight this puppet. <laughs> I was like, are you sure? You know, <laughs> it becomes like all of a sudden comedy. Like, even though I was fighting like a for real, like I, I wasn't really, you know, I don't know. I want to ask you, Josh, like how that looks because I don't know, like. <laughs> oh, it looks incredible. And I've only had the opportunity to watch it from backstage by the way yeah because it's always happening during the middle of the show but I always watch it every time that the scene happens so that I hope that tells you a little bit about how much I like it is I watch it every time (laughs) and what I like about it is where it seems like we're breaking the rules of the play you Uh know right we we have more or less just puppets and projected images and miniatures up until that moment. Right. (laughs) And then these two puppet characters get into an argument and then the one calls out, you know, his assassin friend, AKA you, (laughs) who is very reluctant to 
take up the sword in this scene, he then removes your puppet tear hood <laughs> so your face is exposed for the first time in the show and makes you fight this samurai that, that sensei is operating, that puppet samurai. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's this really beautiful build of style because you act it really well. You're very hesitant. You don't want to do it. And then, of course, you like pick up the sword and then give the audience like the knowing look of like, <laughs> oh, I'm actually a badass and I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> and it's this really beautiful moment of acting which I really, really like, and done in this samurai style, I think. But Uh it also breaks the puppetry world because we're putting a person now directly interacting with a puppet. Mm -hmm. And that always struck me as a really interesting part of this show. You know, we, I think, break the world in a couple of ways, too, where the camera at one point pulls up from the miniature's and away from the puppet to actually look at Sensei mm-hmm. while he's mm-hmm. operating the mm-hmm. puppet so we can clearly see him mm-hmm. in the projection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious for you, you know, in working with Tom like this and this like breaking of worlds, mm-hmm. you know, what that's like for you. Is it just more like, I, you tell me what to do and I'll do it? Or, <laughs> you know, moments of, oh, I'm not so sure. Well, both. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, I'm one of, the puppeteer and then Tom is jerked or whatever you say, I will do it, <laughs> but uh, you know. And then, yeah. and then of course, uh, it's fun because I love fighting. And also I enjoy the audience going, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> every time I start fighting, like they're surprised. And, yeah. You know, they're like, oh. <laughs> if I don't hear them, like I get sad, you know. and and another lovely surprise in that scene that also happens in addition to you having this incredible fight with this puppet at a speed that is also i think part of the style because i'm not sure if in samurai sword soul that you also fought as fast oh yeah on stage yeah Yeah. there's something about the speed of that stage fighting that also kind of sets it apart and gives it its own style yeah. is that right yeah i think it's also actually it was challenge for the sensei yeah because in in the puppetry they never fight like that <laughs> right even like yeah even like kabuki it's more stylized slow like we just assume it's a like a crazy battle but it's like a more ah stop ah stop ah Ah, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. So I think it was a challenge for him. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, the puppet obviously can't move as fast as a person can move, and he's being asked yeah. to operate the puppet at a human speed yeah. in, in a way that is definitely very different. Yeah. So I was the one moving around the space. Yeah. To accommodate that. But then the fighting, it's really hard. Because when you get the mode into the mode of fighting, like you start to get, I don't know, you start to put your effort too much. Sure. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't want to crush him because he's on the card and, you know, and uh, of course, I mean, he's not, a, he's great, I mean, he's a master puppeteer, but uh, he's not a master fighter. 
Right. So I had to adjust for him to look great because he is the main character. Right. You know, I have to make him look good, you know, rather than I yeah. look good. So. And I, I think you, you both definitely look good in that piece. And I'm very excited for people to be able to see it again. I know we were supposed to <laughs> perform it here at the New York State Puppet oh, Festival yeah. um, in June of uh, 2020. And unfortunately, oh, we had to postpone. Yeah. Shoot, um, we, but we just told the trick. I know. I know. <laughs> We, we just told about the surprise scene. Well, hopefully it sets people up to want to come see it. Uh, also, the the super, super trick at the very end, um, a lot of these puppets that Koryu-san has, the heads are 150 years old right. and more. Mm -hmm. And and some mm -hmm. of them have these tricks that they can do. Mm -hmm. And and one of the puppets uh, has this amazing, amazing trick that they call watermelon face. Yeah. Um, that when you hit the top of the puppet's head, the flap comes off and half of his face uh it looks like the face got cut off and cut in half and it just looks <laughs> pink and looks like he has watermelon eyes they're also green um, <laughs> which is this really beautiful surprise moment in the show so for all the thousands of people that are gonna listen to this podcast um <laughs> we can hope anyway we, we've maybe uh set you up for a moment that hopefully you will uh appreciate and enjoy um and hopefully we haven't ruined the surprise there too much um, we will uh, chat a little bit more about Takemi Kitamura and her work as a puppeteer when we come back. Sarah Stabley. Joshua Rice. You were from Perry, New York, is that correct? That is correct. Our hometown? Our hometown. And what is our hometown known for? Having 800 cows for every one person. More cows than people, that's right, but what else? Um, ooh, the Silver Lake Sea Serpent. That's true, we do have a sea serpent myth. But what else? Um, sometimes the air smells like cookies because we have a cookie factory in town. That's right, and then because of the cows, some days it smells like cow shit. But what else? Um, well, we have a lot of bars, and we have even more churches. Yes, people do love to drink and love Jesus at the same time, but Sarah, what else? Um, oh, we have a Carnegie Library. Oh my god, Sarah, no, it's the Silver Lake Brewing Project. Right, 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 SLBP. That's course, right, that's right, SLBP, which is our very own craft brewery here in Perry, New York, which just so happens to be the closest brewery to Letchworth State Park, the Grand Canyon of the East. So if you decide to go for a hike and see some of the gorges or any of the amazing waterfalls, then after you see all of these things, hike on over to the Silver Lake Brewing Project where you can try any one of their rotating selection of 11 craft beers specializing in Belgian and classic American craft styles. Sarah, that's like witchcraft, but beer, beer craft. Which is better. It is better. No one's being burned alive at the stake when you go to the Silver Lake Brewing Project. Sarah, what kind of beer craft is really tantalizing your taste buds? Right now, uh, it's definitely the Saisons. They're incredible. I would say the same for any one of their sour beers. They also have incredible IPAs and a classic Western New York cream ale. And you can come and have these beers in the tap room, which is an incredible place to visit. That was once a horse stable, and before that, a silent movie house, Sarah. Think of it, Buster Keaton riding a horse. With beer. 
That's right! Who wouldn't want to watch that silent movie? But if you feel like maybe you want to stay more socially distant, these beers are also available for curbside pickup, or you can sit outside on their patio and enjoy the sunshine and sip a tasty craft beer. So Sarah, Perry, New York is famous and getting more famous by the glass. Because we have a podcast. Well, maybe one day, Sarah, a podcast about puppetry. That's right. We're going to make it big. We're going to put the town on the map with this podcast, Sarah. But the Silver Lake Brewing Project is already helping. Check them out at www.silverlakebrewingproject.com. The Puppet Pod is produced in collaboration with Dixon Place, whose virtual programs are free and participating artists are remunerated. That's right, artists getting paid to do what they do even during a pandemic. Donations help us bring together visionary artists and adventurous audiences and support the community during this challenging time. So if you like what you are listening to in the Puppet Pod, please consider making a gift to DixonPlace.org. Dixon Place's puppetry programs, including Puppet Block, Mine by Sheena Stripe, and New Money by Maria Camilla, are made possible in part with generous support from the Jim Henson Foundation and donors like you. Thank you. This episode of the Puppet Pod is brought to you by Wear a Face Covering When You Go Out in Public! The Puppet Pod! And we are back with more Takemi Kitamura. Uh, Takemi, when you talk to people about your work as a performer, um, how do you describe what you do? Do you say that you are a puppeteer or do you say you are also a, a dancer and a puppeteer? I know for everybody, the context is part of it, depending on who you're talking to and how much time you have. But uh, I always like to ask, especially puppet people, this question because saying you're a puppeteer sometimes doesn't quite encapsulate everything that we mm-hmm. often do as puppet people or puppet artists. So I'm curious for you, do you have any go-tos or how you approach answering that question? I just say I'm a performing artist. Yeah. <laughs> that inclusive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then when people, do they often follow up and ask what that means or if they ask any specific styles or anything? No, not really. When I when I meet the people as a puppeteer and I say, oh, I do, I studied dance, I still dance, and the people, what kind of dance? Or when I meet the people as as a dancer and then I say, I also do puppetry. And what kind of puppetry? You know. <laughs> but yeah, never had the experience. Someone comes to say, what is a performing artist? You know. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a good one. That certainly does encapsulate so much of what we do. Yeah. Uh, would you also consider part of what you do visual art? Like, do you take part in any of the building or design aspects of, of puppetry or theater? No. When I was making my piece, I was making my costume and stuff, but I not. I re- I love making something, but uh, not as a. I haven't done anything as a courier. Right. Yeah. But you do have the ability 
as we've seen on tour often to fix some things when they need fixing, like sewing uh, puppet costume pieces uh, yeah. or uh, human costume pieces. Right, right. I mean, in Japan, if you're a dancer and if you are in a dance company, you often need to make your costumes and stuff. Now here, like yeah. a choreographer provides you the costume, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> Well, Takemi, I wonder, we already started talking a little bit about uh, Shanksmere, um, which is this piece that Tom Lee and Koryu Nishikawa V have been working on for years and years that we have also been a part of the company as long as it's been working and and touring. Um, I'm curious for you if you could talk a little bit about working on a puppet show for that long, because often, you know, you get a a pretty limited run if you're lucky uh, with a puppet show. Sometimes they they tour a little bit, uh, but this mm-hmm. show has been touring for six years, and we've gone all over the world with it. I and know. Uh, I, I'm curious for you what it's like as a performer inside something that has such a long life, and how the piece adjusts or how your performance adjusts. Mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting because, like, no matter how much we have space between the time between. Like it's still in my body, you know. I just need to refresh a little bit of the memory from the video. I have, I do watch video a couple of times just to make sure I know the piece before the, we go back on it. But uh, right. it's so in me already. And I'm sure that's in you too. Yeah. So, and then we know, we kind of know each other, like it's in us already. So we can yeah. trust each other no matter how much we need to adjust for each venues and stuff, or like sometimes we need to replace people. Of course, the schedule is, you know, crazy sometimes, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's so, so much trust in the piece and for the people in it and then in Tom and, you know, it's, I think it's been great experience, like a, fun and a great experience for me yeah i i like that there are still moments for us as puppeteers of these characters to still have discovery we can Mm -hmm. still find new moments on stage in front of the audience yeah I love that aha moment right yeah after the years and years we performing long you know the same stuff and like oh, we can make this a little bit better, you know? <laughs> right. And, and especially, too, when it happens organically, because like you said, there's that trust that we have with one another to achieve the objective of the scene or the image or, or whatever it is right. we're making. And when we're all locked in at the same moment and we all discover this thing together and it's like, oh, that little thing. And it could be something as simple as like, you know, you hold hands with the puppet and you give a little knowing look up to the the taller puppet and the taller puppet looks back down and then you break your eye contact and walk. Like it's a very simple thing to describe, but when it happens together in a moment, it can be really delightful as puppeteers. And I guess a little different than an actor doing that. Mm. You know? Right. And I don't know if it's because, you know, these objects don't talk and they 
don't have their own sentience and ability to think and feel and and do these things. We make them do it. But when we can be on that same page and discover those things together, it makes it like extra magical, I guess. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a magic, like a boomerang style, especially like a sweep. Or like if you are dealing with a big object and uh, puppeteering with the many people, it's so challenging. But the, yeah. the reward is huge when it gets so successful. So it's so fun. <laughs> um, can you tell me a little bit about the way that you describe the piece is still in you? Like you, you watch the video, you get it, then the puppet's in your hand, or you sit on the cart, or you pick up the sword, and it's there. You, you know that the choreography is still there somehow. Even when we have, you know, a break that is a year long in between performances and runs or sometimes longer than that. Mm -hmm. What is it about puppetry or maybe it's even dance at the same time we we can compare the two that allows for that kind of muscle memory? I'm not sure. What is it? Repetition, I guess, or... Oh, yeah. Repetition is uh, probably 99%. Yeah. You know, and uh, probably it's almost like a instant going back to the moment like a, I, I don't know how can I explain almost like a, I'm also remembering the being like like feeling and not only the muscle stuff but the feeling too yeah so yeah but I'm not sure what is making me able to do that is it that larger idea of channeling the energy that you're talking about, maybe? Like you tap into this larger thing, whether it's... Maybe that's already in there, like a collective energy we all created. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's like we're all jumping on this... I, I don't want to say a horse, but it's this idea of like you're riding the energy, right? There's the thing that we've created and you're trying to maybe remember and attain it, but also allowing for some new discovery at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious then, Takemi, because these are some of like the really beautiful parts about puppetry in that spiritual way that you were talking about the work, which I resonates with me very much. But there's also moments in puppetry that, you know, go wrong on stage. And as puppeteers, <laughs> we still have to figure out how to keep going, even if like a puppet's limb has fallen off. <laughs> So I'm I'm curious if you have any good stories or like a memorable moment where you've been on stage and there's been a puppet malfunction or disaster and how you were able to work through it. Yeah, puppetry is hard because <laughs> because just because, yeah. Just because <laughs> and uh, maybe not just the puppetry but any other performing stage like performing arts but uh it's anything can go wrong, right? At any moment. Yeah. <laughs> and even the thing like we never made a mistake rehearsing it, it just happens, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, like tying tying that rope around the old man in Shanksmere. Yeah. My gosh, that is like the most technical and seemingly simple thing, but for a puppet to use its hands yeah. to tie a rope around another puppet's waist yeah. is really technical and took a lot of work. Yeah, but I guess for me, the, my hardest one was 
I can't remember the one single, single instant, but uh, when I was doing the phantom limbs like on the stilts, uh-huh. we were doing marionette yeah. on the stilts. And of course, I cannot reach the puppet from up there. And if something goes wrong, like a tangled and a stuff, it's so hard to fix it. And yeah. you are on the stage, there is no time to go backstage and how you have to find the moment. It's kind of sort of not obvious moment to fix. Right. But if you find the moment too, still like it's still, it's so hard to fix the puppet. You start touching them, you know? Yeah. So it was always like fear. <laughs> it was always fear involved. Like, yeah, something happened that was so fearful. I was like, oh my God. Um, I know I, I personally had moments where, especially in Shanksmere, where we were using the cart uh, uh-huh. to operate one of the puppets and falling off of the cart in, in the middle of a performance and trying to keep the puppet alive at the same time. Uh, that was a fun, fun challenge moment <laughs> to figure out because everyone sees it. They, there's, no one didn't see me fall over in that <laughs> moment, you know? Oh I did gosh. the one. I did the one when I was I was uh, running, running into the stage from the uh, wing, and uh-huh. I just fall. I just fell. <laughs> <laughs> it was so obvious. I just fell. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I I love those moments in in shows. You're right. Like anything that can go wrong will go wrong, <laughs> depending <laughs> on the show. But hopefully not. But yeah, hopefully maybe. Not. Um, well, Takemi, this has been a really amazing conversation. Before we go, we do this thing called the Puppet Hot Pot. The Puppet Hot Pot. Where we ask a, a series of rapid fire questions and you just come up with the quickest response you can come up with. Does that sound uh, okay? Could we put you in the Puppet Hot Pot? <laughs> okay, you can try. I, I cannot <laughs> guarantee, but... Uh... Fantastic. So we'll start with this one first. Okay. Puppet Hot Pot. What is your favorite form of puppetry right now? Boomerang style. Do you have any new quarantine hobbies? Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both. What is a fun fact about Takemi? I'm, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, I'm like an old lady trying to figure out, still trying to figure out my life in performing arts. (laughs) It's like, what are you doing, you know? Uh, I would say uh, a fun fact about you that maybe relates to what you were just saying is you're one of the most flexible people I have ever seen. Watching your stretching routine before we perform is amazing. <laughs> you're able to bend your body in ways that I I couldn't even imagine doing. <laughs> How about what is one of your favorite places in the world that puppetry or performing arts has taken you? Um, Hawaii. Yeah. 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 We got lucky on that tour. Yeah. That was very fun. What do you want to be when you grow up? I'm already grown up. (laughs) Well, I want to be somehow like I want to because I'm like a like see my my 
title as a performer is like a performing artist. Yeah. I'm not really one specific thing, you know, I'm yeah. usually do other stuff. Well, which is, yeah. has a good thing and a bad thing. Right. But I, I'm, I'm just looking for. But that's the way I am. I realize. So I just looking for somehow to integrate all these different kinds of different venues, different whatever. Maybe we can. I can call it one channeling, or I don't know, but different type of channeling. I don't know. I just wanna fuse into whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I love that idea. It does make sense. You wanna be, or it sounds like finding ways to be a professional channeler. Yeah, yeah. channeling artist or something like that. Yeah, yeah, channeling artist. I love that. <laughs> Which you already are, which is amazing. How about our final question? If you had one wish for the world right now, what would it be? Just find the peace and joy back. Like if everybody have own way to feel it, be it, express it. Yeah, I think that the world will be nicer. Yeah, including myself, of course. I mean, yeah, I'm still trying to find a peace and joy. <laughs> you and me both together. Yeah, finding that joy. Especially, I don't know. Especially joy. Joy is hard for me.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. To find the joy in me, like a pure joy in me. Yeah. 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 So in a way, like、uh, performing arts is like、uh, the way we can. Express them and give them, share the joy with others. It's it's a、uh, lifelong quest. Yeah. To maintain that joy, yeah, I, I feel that. Well, Takemi, you have brought me a lot of joy as a、uh, company member with you on, on various shows over the years, and, and this has been a really joyful conversation. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, thank you for being very cheerful part of the company always. Oh well, you are always in the. Well, not always, always, but most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> the Puppet Pod, hosted by Josh Rice and me, Sarah Stabley, produced and engineered by also me, Sarah Stabley. Additional editing by Josh Marks. Theme song and incidental music by Seth Forgolzia. Additional music by Hazar and Scott Holmes. Executive produced by Dixon Place and the New York State Puppet Festival, a program of Shake on the Lake and Josh Rice Projects. Support is provided by Dixon Place, the Jim Henson Foundation, the National Endowment for the Arts, and the Arts Council for Wyoming County Community Arts Grant. This decentralization program is made possible in part with funds from the New York State Council on the Arts, with the support of Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature, administered in Wyoming County by the Arts Council for Wyoming County. To make donations, please visit shakeonthelake.org or dixonplace.org. For more information about the artists featured on our podcast, please visit www.thepuppetpod.com.